See, that's what I'm saying to you. You, you, are, you are so pardoned that you are purposed. See, you are so accepted by Jesus that you are sent. You are so fished out of the deep of your sins that you are sent on a fishing trip for Jesus. <laughs> That's why he says to you, don't be afraid because he is the one who is going to make you right with God. That's why he says, don't be afraid. I've got this. I'm the one who has fished you out of the drink and has placed you safely on the eternal land of God's grace. I did it. Do not be afraid, Christian. The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaken.com. Please stand out of respect for the words and the works of Jesus. Our gospel for today comes from Luke chapter 5. This is a great fishing story. This is what Luke tells us. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw... At the water's edge, two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' feet and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore left everything, and followed him. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. From now on is what Jesus said to Peter at the end of it. He said, from now on, it was, a, it was a fresh start. It was a, it was a new beginning. It was, it was a new Peter. I mean, think about it. He leaves behind two boats. Not one boat. He leaves behind two boats. Boats are expensive. 
He leaves behind the tackle, the investments, all of Peter and Co. Fishing and Company. He leaves it behind from now on. Everything was different. It's not like it seemingly needed to be different. He had been doing pretty well. I Means like those guys on the TV show, commercial fishermen, they do pretty well. I mean, the hours were bad. He had to work at night, but I mean, the guy made pretty good money for he and his wife. We know this about Peter. He moved from Bethsaida. He comes to the little seaside fishing town. He gets a new house. Lives with his mother-in-law probably there in Capernaum. He was doing okay. I mean, the guy had two boats. The guy had investors. The guy had partners. He wasn't the only guy running this operation. This was a whole commercial fishing operation that he was in charge of. And then all of a sudden, Jesus steps into his boat. He wanted a natural amphitheater. So... The people could hear him teach the word of God on shore. And then Jesus is done teaching. And he says, Peter, put out into the deep. And everything changed. If you could have seen Peter in that moment, I'll bet you would have seen a quizzical look go across his face. <laughs> you know, it's the kind of thing that would go across your face it, if somebody told you how to do your job. You ever had that happen to you? I've had it happen to me. People tell me how to do my job all the time. Let me tell you what the Bible really means, Pastor. I'll bet doctors have that happen too. I went on WebMD, Pastor. I know what my real problem is. They say to an engineer, I know how to do the math. A little bit awkward what's happening here. The professional carpenter tells the professional fisherman how to do his job. Awkward. (laughs) Especially because he was all wrong about it seemingly, right? Everything was wrong about it. Jesus says, go out into the deep. You know what Peter knew? The fish aren't in the deep. You don't cast for fish in the deep. You do it in the shallows. Everything was wrong. You don't do it during the day. You do it at night. That's when the fish move. And Peter had already checked the entire area. He had fished all night. There was nothing. He already knew it. Master, he said, we've fished all night. But because you say so. Because you say so. We'll do it. They go out there. They drop the nets. They check the fish finder. There was fish. I mean, the fish finder showed it. It was like like so dense, all of the fish, that it looked like they were pulling in a whale. Peter's motioning to the other boat. Remember, he's got a whole commercial fishing operation. Come on over here, guys. We got some fish. There's so many fish, they're hauling the fish, they're flipping, they're flopping, 
They're filling the boats. All of a sudden, water starts pouring in over the edges. They're going down. If you could have seen Peter's face. Somebody who wasn't spiritual probably would have stood there with all those fish around him. And they would have seen dollar signs going through their eyes. They're thinking about what those fish are going to catch, you know, the price they're going to catch at market. Not Peter. If you could have seen him, his face would have been ashen. If you could have seen him, it would have looked like he had seen a ghost, but worse. If you could have seen him, it would have been like he was living a living nightmare, except he couldn't pinch himself and wake up. It was worse than everything. In his boat was God. And he was there with him. Nothing could be more horrifying. He said the only thing that he could. The first half of what he said, he regretted. Just like the song says, thank God for unanswered prayers. Because he prayed the wrong prayer. He prayed, Lord, go away from me. But the second half of his prayer was right. I am a sinful man. There's only one adjective in there that really matters. And Peter got it. God didn't care how tall he was or how short he was. God doesn't care for smart, for dumb. He doesn't care if we're Jew or we're Gentile, if we've got dark skin or light skin. He doesn't care. God loves the diversity. Peter got it right. The only thing that matters was the fact that God was in his boat and he had lived his life away from God's purpose for it. I'm a sinful man, he said. But Jesus didn't go away. He stood there. He must have exuded a peace. And he extended to him the scepter of his preached gospel. He said to him, do not be afraid. From now on, he said, from now on, you will catch people. It was a new beginning. From now on. When you're a pastor and you care about people and, and you want to bring to them a word that matters for their life, one of the things you think about is you want to show people in the scripture how that scripture forgives them. And you want to show people from that scripture how it is that Jesus makes them all brand new in their lives. 
In this scripture, it's so exciting and so deep as, as a Christian. As I receive it, it just sets my heart on fire. As a pastor, I'm sitting here standing, actually, <laughs> trying to think of ways like, how can I get this across to you, this, this from now on, this new life, this before you walk into church today to how you're going to leave church today. How do I do this? I'm going to go at it like this. Do you realize that from now on, you never have to, re you never have to worry about being provided for ever again? Why would you? Jesus can make the fish jump into the boat. <laughs> Why would you ever worry about your physical needs? He'll provide. Don't you realize that this is what Jesus is doing to Peter? He is going right at his job, right at his vocation, right at his competency, right at his skill set, right at the way in which this man made very good money. What did Jesus say? I'll tell you how to do your job. What did he learn? Jesus makes the fish jump into the boat. Do you realize how life-changing that is? See, when you see, when you see that Jesus is going to take care of everything, you don't have to worry about it anymore. You can be so different from everybody else. See, you know how it works in life? Everybody's a disciple of something. Everybody is. Everybody has a thing that they think is going to provide for them in their lives. It's that thing that they're actually a disciple of. They follow it. See, some people are actually disciples of, of the market. That's why they invest all the time. That's why they're thinking about it all the time. Some people are actually disciples of their careers. That's why they think they have to map it out just so. Because that's the thing that they think is going to provide for them. They're disciples of it. You know what Peter found out? I don't need any of that. I just need Jesus. That is so liberating. Because it means that instead of going to do your job for money, you get to go and do it for Jesus now. It means that instead of worrying about your retirement, you can press your resources into use for Jesus. All of a sudden, you're not trying to survive anymore. All of a sudden, you're in service. You've met your purpose in your life now. See, it's all different when you follow Jesus. See, it sounds so crazy, right? Press it in. Press your retirement money into service for Jesus. Give to him first. It sounds so crazy, just like it sounded to Peter. Go out into the deep water. So you could say, but Jesus, but Jesus, you're a professional carpenter. You don't know how expensive long-term care is. But because you say so. But Jesus, you don't know how the 21st century job market works. You lived a really long time ago. 
but because you say so, Jesus, I'll trust you. I'll work for you. It changes everything. You're going from surviving to meeting your purpose. You're going from just trying to get stuff for yourself to actually living out a vocation for Jesus. See, from now on, from now on, you have everything that you need physically, but the story also teaches you that you have everything that you need spiritually too. You know, I love this story. It breaks into your life. You know, most of the time in our lives, we live blithely unaware of how bad we are. We, have, we just have no idea. We have no, we have no references for this, right? Because, because this world is so broken and, and so sinful. We have no idea how sinful we are. And then all of a sudden, there, we have these moments where it sort of breaks into us. Like we have human moments like this. Like when we, when we walk into a, a room, right? We walk into a room where there's a really beautiful person there. All of a sudden, we realize, I'm really kind of ugly. <laughs> you walk into a room where there's a really smart person. You go, wow, I'm really kind of dumb. You walk in, into a game where there's really a fantastic athlete and you go, wow, I'm actually a klutz. That's the story. But it's way bigger. Because this is sinful people coming into the presence of, of a holy God. We hardly ever realize what that's like. Theologians, they have a, a term for this. They call it the uh, tremendum, the terribilis tremendum. This moment of terror, when we get it, God is holy, we are not. There's something horrible about it, something fascinating about it too it's I don't know how to get at it if if you have an experience of this you you go up in a skyscraper in New York City you get to the top of that thing and at the top there's this ceiling of glass that you can walk out onto and look down horrifying and fascinating at the same time overwhelming it's too much I mean what is this like what is this like to to come into the presence of a holy God what is it like to come face to face with your maker knowing that you've rebelled against him what is this like I'll tell you or Peter will it's like getting on your knees in terror it's like desperately saying get away from me I can't deal with this I'm a sinful man. You're holy God. But then there's a the joy. When he doesn't leave. When he sees you just the way you are and he says, I love you still. When he looks at you and he says, don't be afraid. 
I'm not here to smite you. I'm not here to get you for what you've done. I'm here to forgive you and press you into service for me. Do not be afraid. He said to Peter, you will now catch people. Do you realize what's happening there? See, see what's happening there is this. When, when, when Jesus presses people, Peter, into service, he's doing that because he's already pardoned them. He's already accepted them. He's already in the kingdom. That's why he can work in the kingdom. <laughs> how, can I, how can I get this across? Maybe like this. There's a difference between justification and reconciliation. There's a difference between being forgiven of your sins and being back into a fully accepted relationship. Maybe I can get, it, get at it like this through a story. You've disappointed your wife. You go to her. You say to her, I'm sorry, honey. Do you want me to give you some space? She says, it's okay. Can we talk about the kids? And you realize in that moment, as a husband, your heart skips a beat and you get it. You are so much more than forgiven. Your partners. That's what happens here. Peter gets fished out of the deeps of his sins. And at the same moment, he starts fishing for Jesus. See, that's what I'm saying to you. You, you, are, you are so pardoned that you are purposed. See, you are so accepted by Jesus that you are sent. You are so fished out of the deep of your sins that you are sent on a fishing trip for Jesus. <laughs> That's why he says to you, don't be afraid, because he is the one who is going to make you right with God. That's why he says, don't be afraid. I've got this. I'm the one who has fished you out of the drink and has placed you safely on the eternal land of God's grace. I did it. Do not be afraid, Christian. You are so, so pardoned that you're purposed so accepted that you are sent, so fished out of the hot mess that you are with God, that you are now pressed into service for him. You have his word of grace. Don't you see it? It's a whole new life. It's a whole new life. You have everything that you need. You have physical provision. You have spiritual provision. You got the fish you need, you got the forgiveness you need, you got a whole new life. A whole new life. From now on. From now on, you can just leave everything behind and just follow him. From now on.
there's just one thing left for me to do today, and it's this, encourage you to do it. To actually go and do it. I'm going to do that in three ways today in closing. I'm going to give you something for your head. I'm going to give you something for your heart. And then I'm going to give you something for your hands. Here's some encouragement for your head. You're not going to press your finances into service for Jesus. You're not going to do your job for him. You're going to do it for money unless you are utterly convinced that his word runs the world. That he knows what's best. And here's the reason. We tend to believe things that we can see more quickly than the things we hear. So here's something that that you can have for your head. Thomas Aquinas thought about this, this problem that we have because we actually didn't see the fish, you know, sink in the boats. What we've seen is our retirement funds doing okay for us. So Aquinas said, said this. He said, all things being equal, seeing is more certain than hearing when it comes to believing something. He went on, however, to say this. But if the one from whom something is heard far exceeds the sight of who sees, then hearing is more certain than seeing. Here's an example. A person with scant learning is far surer of something he hears from an expert than he is of any insight of his own. Thus, anyone is far surer of what he hears from the infallible God than what he sees with his own fallible reason. You didn't see Jesus put all those fish in the boat. You have heard his promise that when you follow his word, that he's going to provide for you. He's the infallible God. His word is more certain than anything you've experienced in your life. There's something for your head. Here's something for your heart. Do you realize that a man from Galilee who was crucified and just a few ragtag fishermen have completely changed the world. It's amazing to think about this. A man from Galilee and a few ragtag fishermen have made kingdoms rise and fall and have utterly changed the world. What did those fishermen know? Well, I'll tell you this much. Peter hadn't been to seminary yet. Do you know where he'd been? On his knees. In terror. And then Jesus gave him his word of grace. 
He's put that in your heart too. You know his word of Christ. It's all you need. That's it. That changes the world. See, sometimes I think we get it all wrong. We get our fears wrong and we get our hopes wrong when it comes to sharing his gospel. Our, our, our fears are wrong, right? We say, well, well, if we share Jesus, I don't know what's going to happen. When what we should be scared of is what if we don't? On the other hand, our hopes and dreams are wrong. We think, we think, you know, maybe they won't get mad if I share Jesus. And on the other hand, we should be hoping, you know what? Maybe it's going to change their heart and their life like it changed mine. You already have the thing that changed the entire world. You have Jesus' word of grace pressed into your heart. You've been on your knees. He told you you're forgiven. You know the thrill of it. Now here's something for your hands. I thought about doing this whole like doctrinal diatribe with you to end this sermon, do a big teaching on what this thing we call vocation. I thought I'd get into that, just explain it doesn't necessarily mean that you get a new job. Peter got called to be an apostle here. Nobody here is getting to be called an apostle. You don't have to leave your job. What you do is you do it for a new purpose. You do it for Jesus. That's how you leave everything behind and do it for him. And I thought, you know, here's what I'll do. I will, I will give people the categories. Here's the categories. Everybody has four categories that they work on in their life, four different ways that they're called by Jesus. You are called by Jesus in your family. People get that one, you know. You're called by Jesus to be a citizen in this world. I think people get that one. You're called by Jesus at your job. I think people get that one. And then there's that fourth one. We harder to get. You are called to serve in the church. I think it's easy to forget that. To think of the church as a commodity that you consume, a thing that you show up to, only to receive. And you forget that the church is a thing that you are. And it's a thing that you do. So I want to give you something for your hands. Meet the needs of your church. Meet the very real needs of your church. You are called to it. A few months ago, we started the 8 a.m. service here at Peace. This is at the beginning of September. And there was a lady who showed up who was a hardcore 10 a.m.er. <laughs> you know the type. Some of you are. I'm not getting up that early. <laughs> she showed up. You know why? 
She said, you know, the pastor and his family, as much as they love to serve God, they can't do it all. So she shows up every 8 a.m. She runs the PowerPoint. One Sunday she was gone. <laughs> she was traveling. And there was um, an eight-year-old little girl that you might know who was desperately trying to get the PowerPoint right. So somebody else said, I'll help. Meet the needs of your church. Maybe you don't know this, so you're going to find this out, but here in 2021, we are going to turn a corner in this pandemic. And we're going to serve each other in this community ministerially. We've got plans. And we're going to need you. Meet the needs of your church. How about this? It's going to scare you. You're going to resist it. But what if you did this? What if you went to the leaders of this church and said, I'll give you a blank check. I will serve however you need me to serve, as long as it's for Jesus. What if you pushed out into the deep like that? What if you just left it all behind? You know, the control that you have of your own life, your desire to have what you want, and you said, you know what, I'm going to leave it behind. I'm going to do this for Jesus. I'm just going to serve him. Could we do that at peace? Can this be our new moment? Dearly loved people of God, from now on, let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You have shown us your ability and desire to provide for us more than we need. The way that you stand us back up on our feet after our terror of our sin and you just forgive us. We thank you for that. I'd ask that you'd encourage our minds to just listen to your word, that you'd strengthen our hearts to see the value and the joy of fishing for people with the gospel. And that you make our hands useful in your kingdom. As together we meet the needs of your church. Share the gospel. Jesus, in your name I pray. Amen.